Ah, home sweet home. A delight to unwind, relax. Let me just put down this box of new vases I just purchased. Hello, Dave. Ah! What's wrong? You look a bit shattered. I wasn't expecting my pal John Gabris to be in my house and wearing my snuggliest blanket. Well, for this episode, I thought I'd go undercover. Wait, where's Jonah? I put some radioactive lint in his pocket. He'll be out until next week. You could say he's... Please, no more puns, please. All washed up. (laughs) That doesn't even make sense. That's just bad bonding. You're not even threatening. Yeah, dude. I'm a modern, sensitive Bond who loves to snuggle, just like Daniel Craig. I'm not gritty. I'm a big old softy. Hold on. Are you saying Daniel Craig's James Bond is a soy boy beta male cuck? Uh, yeah, dude. I said it. On Mike. Usually I'd go golden eye slappers only on your ass for saying this, but Gabrus, since you're new around here, I'm going to show you that we solve our intellectual problems with vigorous debate. Why? Because this is Galaxy Brains, and today it's curtains for Daniel Craig's James Bond as we discuss the new film No Time to Die with Paul F. Tompkins. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the podcast where movies, TV, and overthinking collide. I'm Dave Schilling. And I'm Dave's Long Island money penny, John Gabris. And each week on the show, we start with the logical brain, advance to the critical brain, question everything with the interrogation brain, and of course, arrive at the blessed state of the galaxy brain. Today, our guest is comedian, Bond fan, and generally classy guy, Paul F. Tompkins. And we are talking about the suavest, the savviest, the certified freakiest James Bond, and the new film No Time to Die. But before we activate our license to kill bad hot takes, we have to debrief in a segment we call Logic Brain. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts right now. (sighs) Gabrus. That's that's another movie. Oh, is it, smart guy? Which one? Muppets Take Manhattan. Look, the movie we are talking about is No Time to Die, the final Daniel Craig Bond movie. After 15 years, he's finally hanging up his dick and balls that he uses to have sex with women. Oh, that's what this is for. To put that down. Anyway, because this is the last Craig Bond, the producers and director, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, decided to go all out 
and wrap this bad boy up definitively. We are going to spoil that for you right now. Here's the countdown from Goldfinger to give you a chance to run away before it's too late. All right, you're back. So your mission, if you choose to... John, stop it. This is not Mission Impossible. Never said it was. I'm going to need to take a warm bath after this. So anyway, James Bond is retired and all in love and whatnot, but then he's betrayed by Madeline Swan in the pre-credits sequence. Or so we think. Bond dumps Madeline on a train and moves to Jamaica, where he fishes and drinks tepid Belgian beer all day long. Sounds like my kind of vacation. Throw a couple of kielbasas on the grill and get the bug zapper out. I assure you James Bond kills bugs by hand, like a man. So he's dragged back into espionage by his old pal Felix Leiter, played by... You. That was you, right? Oh, that's Jeffrey Wright. He just looks like me. Why would I be in this? You're a great actor? Well, yes, thank you. Uh, Okay, so Bond finds out about this kidnapped scientist who developed a nanovirus that tagged DNA. The virus was stolen by our big bad. His name's Safin, and he's played by Rami Malek. Safin's parents were murdered by Mr. White, who was Madeline's dad. Naturally, he's out for revenge. Soggy old Bond has to save the world again, patch things up with Madeline, come to terms with being replaced by a new 007, and become a daddy. Yes, James Bond has a daughter with Madeline, but he doesn't get much quality time with her because he gets blown up by some missiles at the end of the movie. James Bond dies. He's dead. He's an ex-agent. He's kaput finito. For the first time ever, and probably the last, James Bond kicks the bucket. I'm not going to lie, bro. I teared up. That shit was straight up touching, dude. Me too. Me too. But some people cried for other reasons, like because they hated the movie. As Sean Connery once said, Shocking. In order to fully grapple with this highly polarizing entry in the Bond franchise, we're going to have to activate our critical brain. Critical brain. Critical brain. Your brain? Your critical brain? Losers whine about their critical brain. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Okay, again, that's not the same movie we're talking about. That's The Rock. Jesus Christ. Okay, Gabrus, how did you feel about James Bond dying? You're not as huge of a James Bond fan as me, but you have watched all of the Daniel Craig movies and many of the classics. This is a this is controversial with a lot of people. I thought it was a cool way to end Daniel Craig's run because I think it opens it up for some possibilities with future runs. If if we kill off a James Bond every four or five movies, you're not like beholden to like global continuity. There is no continuity in these movies. There never has been until Casino Royale. But I think people like that shit. I think Marvel and Star Wars fucked us all up that that's now like a thing we want in movies. I don't know. Like, is it a big deal that he died? Like, we all know once they're not in the movies anymore, they're not there. So maybe I just don't know how they're going to set up the next. They're going to have to get a whole new cast, right? Yeah, they're going to start over. This is this is how it's always been, really. It's a reboot things. They start from scratch. The reason why there is this obnoxious theory, and maybe you haven't heard this before, but this has been a theory floating around the internet for many years, that James Bond is not a person. It is a code name. And that is because people see the fact that M and Moneypenny and Q are the same across the entire series, and Bond is the only thing that changes. So everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's just a code name. 
That is nonsense. It's funny because 007 is the code name. <laughs> yeah, why would he have two code names? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm 007, but you can call me James Bond, my other code name. <laughs> and then why is he doing a code name on top of the code name? And then why is his code name just a name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should it be like Anthrax or something badass? I don't know. Like, what the hell is going on here? So that theory is bullshit. It's that every single Bond, there's kind of a soft reboot. And so... Daniel Craig's series is kind of unique in the fact that there was heavy continuity and story threads would come back and characters would come back. The same person played Blofeld in multiple movies for the first time ever. Welcome, James. It's been a long time. Cuckoo. He's a recurring guy. Like, he's been in some of the older Bond movies too, right? Yeah, Blofeld was talked about in uh, Dr. No, and from Russia with Love, I believe he first shows up in Goldfinger as just a disembodied voice. But he doesn't show up for real until On Her Majesty's Secret Service, starring George Lazenby. Merry Christmas, 007. Which is one of the movies that most heavily inspired No Time to Die. That is the movie where James Bond gets married to Tracy, and then Tracy is murdered by Blofeld at the end of the movie, and the movie ends with him like cradling her in his arms, in his car. And then the song plays that plays at the end of this movie. We have all the time in the world. Oh, shit. We Have All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong. It's the same song that really is like the inspiration, the the... The first movie where something major and monumental happens to this Superman character. How do you feel about the Daniel Craig Bonds as a Bond fanatic? Stylistically a little different than their predecessors, but I'm curious how it feels for you. For me personally, it feels like a big budget action movie that also happens to be Bond movies. Like my way in was Casino Royale, really. So I use Daniel Craig as like, that's my Bond. It doesn't bother you killing those people. I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. I love him as James Bond. I do. I think he's great. I think that Casino Royale is an excellent, probably the best first James Bond movie. So I think he did a great job with it. He played it as a real person for the first time where like he cries in this movie. He has a kid. He gets blown up by some missiles. He has a lot of regrets. He really has this strange mother-son relationship with him. Like, there's just a lot of good acting that he does. It's unique. It's different. It's rich. Yeah. It's deep. Also, stuff that happens in Casino Royale, like, is playing out in this movie as well, which is kind of interesting for, like, the Vesper shit to be going this far across this many movies. I think it's such an interesting facet of the Daniel Craig character. Yeah, bringing her back as a tombstone, reminding you like this is the thing that really set him off and made him become kind of a dick. <laughs> right. Made him the cold killer that everyone refers to the Daniel Craig James Bond as. But he's really not. That's the thing. Is like you see him open up, like really open up to this woman and then she betrays him. I like what you said about the Daniel Craig Bond. I don't think he's like a stone cold like he's gives you some emotional depth, but I think 
Daniel Craig's Bond does the best is the vacillation between super serious cold assassin and sexy tuxedo guy who wants to drink a Heineken. I think he does a very good job of like, like someone who had this real, this hypothetical job of 007 might have to snap into sociopath mode when he's choking out somebody, but also has to snap back into social mode when you're at the casino in japan or whatever yeah exactly he's in macau and he's you know got to do all these cool things like he can't just be a complete blank psycho yeah even though he might be i love daniel craig in this role he is not my favorite james bond Ooh, my favorite james bond is pierce brosnan it is pierce brosnan because he was the first one i saw just like you but it really made an impression on me and there are a couple reasons why that is my James Bond is because he combines the physical qualities of Sean Connery being a tough, tougher looking guy who can have do fights and punch people and jump around and stuff. Whereas Roger Moore was more of just like an old man in a suit (laughs) who said some fun (laughs) stuff every once in a while. But he also has Roger Moore's sense of humor and he pulls out the one liners really well. And It's got more romance than the Sean Connery movies, which are he just kind of blows through seven or eight women and then, you know, (laughs) has sex with one more at the end. And it's like, she's not going to be back next movie. You've made me want to rewatch the Pierce Bonds because I kind of wrote them off when I saw them at the time as a little cheesy. That's what I love about them. And I think I have a more adult taste and I might enjoy some of the cheesiness. And I I not too long ago watched the remake of the Thomas Crown Affair with Pierce Brosnan and he There you go. fucking crushed it. And I was like, "Ooh, I think I need to revisit some of his movies and give him another crack." Yeah, I highly recommend World is Not Enough. It's a movie that was much maligned when it came out. Is that Dr. Christmas Jones? That is Dr. Christmas Jones. I thought Christmas only comes once a year. If I have anything to say about it, baby. One of the silliest (laughs) endings of any James Bond movie. Not that silly, though, because uh, at the end of Moonraker, another one of my favorite Bond films, James Bond and Dr. Holly Goodhead have zero G sex in a space shuttle. (laughs) It fucking rules. I think James Bond also had a, a big part to play in my sexual awakening. I mean, honestly, like, that's why I love James Bond is because it was like, oh, this is how you meet chicks, which is, of course, not true. All of that is fantasy. Don't think you'll have the same luck as Daniel Craig does by he could just like roll up to a country and then in a minute he's in the shower with the woman. Like, you got to put in a little more effort than old DC does. But that was why it worked on me is because I saw it and I was like, oh, that guy's cool. And Pierce Brosnan was cool to me. And GoldenEye has the scene where Famke Jansen kills a guy with her thighs and has an orgasm after. That is uh, a scene I weirdly remember <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, why would you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it, it maybe it warped my sense of sexuality a little bit. We're of the generation where the only way to see sexual encounters was on like HBO and cable at night. And they were so frequently in psychosexual thrillers and like intense violent movies and you're like uh maybe this shouldn't be my introduction to hetero relationships yeah i don't want someone to stab me with an ice pick when i have sex but maybe i do i think i might i'm not gonna lie i think i might (laughs) (laughs) okay well let's talk about this movie more specifically let's talk about the action scenes in this movie because you are an action expert as the host of the action boys podcast you know a lot about how to blow stuff up in a movie Let's start with the pre-credits sequence. The part where the tomb blows up 
and then he has to drive around in the car. Like, what do you think of that? I fucking love this opening action sequence. We get motorcycles jumping like MC Escher levels, like which is always thrilling. A lot of heavy practical effects, which is going to get old man Gabrus involved. And then the scene where he jumps behind the small little bump on the side of the bridge that causes the car to not run him over. That shit was so fucking sick. I mean, even from the get-go, the explosion at Vesper's uh, tomb, like we get the fucking Saving Private Ryan earring and Bond is like, oh shit, shit has hit the fan. I love shit like that. And Bond, I think the Daniel Craig Bonds especially, it's funny to watch Bond run. Not something we saw a lot in previous iterations of Bond. He's not like a runner. And I think Daniel Craig brought running to Bond, which I always found to be pretty cool. Yeah, there was not a lot of running from Roger Moore or Sean Connery because those dudes were just sitting around just like chain smoking packs of Marlboro Reds. I think watching Sean Connery run is like when you see your dad cry and you're like, (laughs) oh yeah, hold on. (laughs) The emperor has no clothes. Exactly. exactly. Well, well, well. The chickens seem to have come home to roost, haven't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not cool. I don't want to see any of those dudes run. Sean Connery was just lifting like kegs of beer. That was all he would do for exercise. Like, I need to have the most barrelless chest of all time. I need to have my chest hair out and uh, that's about it I'm gonna go ahead and get some whiskey like that that was James Bond as he was cool under pressure there'd be some hand-to-hand combat of course the beginning of Goldfinger where he has a hand-to-hand fight with the assassin throws him into the tub and then throws the electrical fan into the tub and electrocutes the guy right and that's where he says shocking that is the, that's the moment where he says shocking shocking and that was really the thing that set the franchise off like that was a perfect distillation of what we love about James Bond yeah it's got the witty banter and it's got cool violent kills yeah but <laughs> there's no running at these movies he's just kind of sauntering he drives a car he doesn't need to run But yeah, man, Daniel Craig is just hoofing it through these movies. What did you think about the sequence in the middle? And that is the uh, Spectre birthday party for Blofeld. Blofeld is not there, but he's got a webcam. (laughs) Blofeld was the first dude to be on Zoom and have a birthday party. (laughs) Like We were all having (laughs) Zoom birthday parties in 2020. And little did we know that James Bond predicted that whole thing. The eyeball on the pillow is such a funny specific and it feels so weirdly real at the same time where it's like passing a phone around at a party to be like, grandma couldn't make it, but everyone say hi. And it's like too loud and confusing, but you got to like wave on FaceTime to a crowded house or whatever. That's what it felt like. It's like, say hi to Blofeld. He's the eyeball on the pillow. Uh, <laughs> I wish they had done that. Whereas like instead of whatever gibberish like threats he was saying through the, the webcam, he's just like, hey, can you move that up a little bit? Is James here? Oh, hi, James. James, it's so good to see you. It's been years. Yeah, like I wanted some of that like awkward Zoom stuff. Like, oh, I love your background. That's very cool. What is that? Oh, that's James Bond's head on a pike. No big deal. I love this sequence and not solely because of Anna de Armas uh, and her dress, but it is- It didn't hurt. It did not hurt the sequence. And she's badass and really fun. And I- kind of like the conceit of her character like oh she seems like a nervous rookie and then it's like oh she's a total badass as well and it's i found it funny that this was the first time i think ever in the daniel craig movies at least where he's just straight up rejected by a woman yeah he's like changing and she's changing and he's like oh this is it's going down i've seen this movie before and then she's like 
no, please, no. I'm turn around. I don't want to see you. We're, we're working, you old man. Yeah, you disgusting old man. <laughs> James Bond has sex with one woman in this movie, and that is the mother of his child. Folks, James Bond is a dad in this. We knew he was a zaddy. Had no idea he was a daddy. Which means it is time once again for the segment that everyone in the world is talking about. It's Galaxy Dads. Galaxy Dads. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, girls. I've got to go. It's my boy. This week's Galaxy Dads is about, of course, James Bond 007. He's got a child. James Bond doesn't really get to do much daddy work here. Plenty of zaddy work, not a lot of daddy work for old James Bond. But what would you say about James Bond as a dad from a scale of zero to 10. He's sort of like a classic dad, like my dad's generation, in that he's distant, not there for her, but behind the scenes, he's doing what he thinks is right. <laughs> you know, he, he, like just like dads of uh, my dad and other people from my dad's generation, it was all about the work. Go to work, do your work. That's the best way to provide for your family. I feel like Daniel Craig Bond is pulling from that as well of like, Look, I'm not going to be there for you, uh, hun, but I'm going to be saving the world as frequently as possible in your honor. I'm going to give him, well, not a seven per se, but maybe a double O seven. Oh, my God. I think just how integers work, it still counts as seven. But <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I believe it is still seven, but the flourish is much appreciated. Okay, so that that's that's a good number. I think seven feels feels good for what you described, but I, I got to go a different direction here, okay? One of the things I don't like about James Bond as a dad is that he's constantly sad all the time. He's always depressed. He's always whining, just like my dad, always depressed about something. Go to therapy. You know what? You have a responsibility as a parent to have your mental health sorted so that you can be a good example for your children. You know, James Bond would rather get blown up by a bunch of missiles than go to therapy. And that's a problem for me. So I got to give him a three. At least he saved the world. That's cool. Still, maybe, you know, sort some stuff out. Maybe give her a nice speech before you before you croak. Well, you know, Daniel Craig's Bond is always sad or depressed or pouting about something. He's just like us. He's the perfect millennial James Bond, even though he's like 54 or something. Isn't that weird that James Bond is just like us? Handsome, tall, stout, possibly a little drunk, and constantly whining about his shitty life. Yeah, it's awesome. I bet he even smokes a J and watches like seven episodes of 90 Day Fiance in a row. Okay, now <laughs> this is hitting way too close to home. Maybe it's time that James Bond goes back to being an unflappable superhero who never has even one hint of a real emotion. Maybe he should be like, oh, funny again. That's what made me fall in love with James Bond. Like I said, Moonraker, GoldenEye, the world is not enough. That's my Bond. Make James Bond funny. Whoa, dude. You galaxy brained again. How does it feel? Groovy, baby. Yeah. Do I make you randy, baby? Do I make you horny? Yeah. Oh, no. I now putting this together. Funny James Bond is just 
Austin Power. I just got my mojo back. Grr, baby. Very grr. Woof. When we come back, hopefully Dave stops quoting Austin Powers so we can talk to Paul F. Tompkins about emo bond versus comedy bond. Get in my belly. to Galaxy Brains. We've deployed our mental exploding toothpaste and are floating back down to Earth using parachutes that we shot out of some very expensive watches. Joining us to backseat drive our Aston Martin is comedian, class act, and Bond super fan Paul F. Tompkins. Paul, thank you for joining us today. This is an honor. It is my pleasure and uh, yeah, I get that. I get that it's an honor. <laughs> I'm sure you are told that on every podcast that you do, which is many podcasts. It's true. I have a problem. If I don't do a podcast by midnight, I get sick. <laughs> they should call you prodigious F. Tompkins because you're on so many podcasts all the time. <laughs> it's an honor to finally do a podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thrilling for me. If you don't know, guys, Gabrus and Paul have done plenty of podcasts. This is sarcasm. Okay. There's only one important question when you talk about James Bond. It is, who is your favorite James Bond and why? I think for most people, it's the Bond that you grew up with. Yeah. And so for me, it was Roger Moore. I saw like a lot of Roger Moore Bonds in the theaters, you know, when I was a little kid. And uh, the first one I remember, my earliest James Bond memory is Live and Let Die, which was a wild movie. Guys, not my favorite James Bond for obvious reasons. It's about voodoo. It's 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 really kind of racist. <laughs> it does not hold up well at all. At all. I don't blame little Paul for liking that movie at all. It's totally fine. James Bond was just a very cool guy and as a as a little, you know, suit loving kid, you know, to see to see somebody being cool in a in a tuxedo is like that's the best. What more could you ask for? I'm glad that you love Roger Moore so much because I also love Roger Moore. He's not my Bond in the sense that I didn't grow up with him. I grew up with Pierce Brosnan, who's kind of in a way an amalgamation of Connery and Roger Moore. I think, yeah, because he's got that sense of humor, but he's also very active. One of the things that maybe is a, a detriment to the Roger Moore Bond movies is he doesn't really do a lot of fighting, per se. Because Roger Moore was already pretty old when he became Bond. For sure. But that was back when the action was not, not even close to the stuff that we have now. Like the fight choreography that we have now is, is just off the charts. And to imagine... Roger Moore or Sean Connery doing any of that stuff is just laughable. You know, that's back when stunts were shot from a ways away and they involved a car. You know what I mean? Or it would be like a nameless cowboy falling off a, a, <laughs> a railing. So they got very campy during the, the Roger Moore era, which I can still enjoy that side by side with the more sophisticated action that we have now and the, the sort of heavier tone that the, the Daniel Craig movies had. I like them both. Well, yeah, the, the Craig movies are more contemplative and more emotionally well-rounded. You know, he's not just a, a, a quippy superhero anymore. Now he's kind of sad and he's got problems with his relationships and he has this kind of weird Oedipal relationship with him in the, the first three of his his series. I wonder if you feel like even though the reputation for Daniel Craig is that these are gritty, dark movies, if really these are some of the most kind of 
emo of the series and more like he's a softer James Bond to me than I think people give him credit for. Sure, he yeah, he murders a lot of people, sure, like with a pencils and stuff, but who doesn't? <laughs> yes. Sometimes when you get sad, you murder people. Look, I think that um it makes a lot of sense to me in that this character has been around for such a long time. First of all, you have to top the you have to at least match, if not top, the action sequences that we've seen before with every movie. You know what I mean? What have we not done before on water, you know, on land, um, in the air, whatever. But then for it to be not just like any other action movie, I think like the idea of exploring the emotions of James Bond, which they've only done so sparingly in the past, I think it's like you got to do it at some point. It makes it more interesting. And what I what I loved about this was that knowing that this is Craig's last movie, that in a way that they are setting the stage, and I hope this is what they're going to do, for each successive actor that plays it to have that James Bond will have its own arc that carries through all his movies or her. Their movies. And then the, their, thank you, John. And then, <laughs> and then they'll set it, they'll set the table for the next person with a whole different, you know, mythology and whatever. I, I think that's, that's a kind of a cool thing. And it's something that it makes sense to do to give new life to the character and for each generation to have their own, their own personal James Bond, I think is a neat thing. I also think what you're saying, PFT, if they wrap it up too, you can go bigger and know that they don't have to keep continuity across a century. Exactly. Like the end of No Time to Die is an example. I think it'll be cool <laughs> to see James Bond die over and over and over again, sort of like Groundhog Day and escalating versions of death. Okay, he got blown up with some missiles this time. What if he gets disemboweled? What if a bunch of cougars eat him? Ooh. An O.J. Simpson from Naked Gun level death. Like <laughs> <laughs> Every time it's different. And you're just like, what, how they, are they going to kill this motherfucker this time? What if one time he, he dies of old age? Wouldn't that be sweet? Give him a, <laughs> give him a Michael Corleone ending. I want to watch the Bond movie that is him exclusively chilling at his Jamaican eco resort house. Like, Oh, my God. I want like the two hour movie that happens before he even starts doing action. Like, I just want that life. I want that house. I want that life. And that's all I could do. I I would honestly watch that. I would honestly watch that. And if he gets a call at the very end and it's like, uh-oh, I gotta go. <laughs> and then credits roll. In theaters in three years. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think his daily routine was like? I mean, this, this man gets up and he goes fishing. Like, is that for fun or is that for sustenance? I assumed it was for sustenance. But probably also fun. Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, I, the money's not rolling in at this point, right? Unless he did some investments on the side. He's got to have some weird bank accounts under various names and shit like that. I just assumed, like, James Bond is taken care of. He's got to just sell off 10% of his hidden car garages, and he's got, like, a million dollars in his pocket right there. He's not yeah. buying store brand peanut butter, you know what I'm I saying? I just keep imagining him having, like, the big fat dad wallet, you know, the one where it's like, all of my receipts <laughs> are in there, I've got my Sam's Club card. A dozen different driver's licenses and identities and shit, and he's like, hold on, once it's in here somewhere. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me see if I can find this. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, yeah, here's my Starbucks card. Uh, yeah, I got one more, and then I get a free one, right? He so rarely uses a false name ever <laughs> like for a secret agent it's just like yeah it's me james bond <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah back in the day you know in, in one of my favorite roger moore bonds a view to a kill he he refers to himself as sinjin Smythe. sinjin Smythe. and if you look how that's spelled saint john Smythe really pissed me off as a kid blew my mind 
mind. And I I saw that for the first time three years ago, and it pissed me off. We all remember where we were when we solved the riddle of sin. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Uh, that was one of my favorites because it is also one of the funniest James Bond movies, in my opinion. Christopher Walken as a bad guy is obviously going to be amusing in some way. And then you've got Grace Jones as the henchwoman. Oh, the best. And heavy blimp usage, which is always comical. <laughs> Nobody can hold back their laughter when they see a blimp. It's just very funny. Yeah. An evil villain who uses a blimp. It's like really fucking funny to me. Like it's it's now the 80s. Like what vehicles have we not used? The more bonds were so funny for the most part, other than, you know, maybe uh, um, Live and Let Die wasn't so funny. Do you prefer comedy in these movies or do you prefer a little bit more seriousness a little bit more daniel craig a little bit more emotional reality i like the the more grounded ones i in fact when they do when he does do jokes in the movies it's very sparing but it's not it's like yeah you shouldn't be doing this <laughs> this shouldn't be in here i'd like to point out the uh the end of the movie the third act he finally does it he gives us what we want when he kills the guy and his eyeball explodes, uh, Q asks him, what happened? I, I used your watch. I showed it to this guy and it blew his mind. And I just started fist pumping in the theater. I was so happy he finally did the thing where he made a joke. Q deletes. He deletes his profile at that point. He's like, I'm sorry, James. But <laughs> I must enact ghost protocol for this dumb You're going to go like two hours and 59 minutes without a joke. And then you're, you're going to just throw one in there. It's like, no, we were good. We were totally fine. I don't know. I loved it. I was so happy. I was like, finally, we got one. And then he can retire. Who is the funniest Bond villain? Funniest? I mean, the the guy, it was a Connery one, Jill St. John, the villain in that. That's Diamonds Are Forever, Charles Gray, played Blofeld. Yes, Charles Gray, Charles Gray. Yeah, he was a Blofeld that was, uh, he had some uh, He had some wisecracks. He had some little jokes in there. Um, he was the most intentionally funny, I would say. Like a guy who's actively trying to make jokes. Dr. No might be the most unintentionally funny one. That <laughs> That is something that maybe doesn't hold up so well today. I think you're right. Diamonds Are Forever is one of the most intentionally funny Bond movies. Not one that I really hold close to my heart because I think they went way too far. And Connery's kind of sleepwalking through it. But they really are trying. I always thought Silva was funny. I know he's like also terrifying, but the way he carries himself and the long intro of like the walking monologue had me. Javier Bardem lives in that role in, in the small amount of time he's in the movie. And it, I, I'm here for it. Yeah, he's so good. And that does get a little campy. You know, he's he's got a he's got flourishes to him, which I like a lot. And I think that's it's more fun to see that against Daniel Craig because he's so stoic yes. and so like internal with his emotions most of the time that you want to have somebody having a good time and like doing the jazz hands. I think the fun thing about the Craig ones is that it's a perfect balance of serious and not serious in a way that the previous Bonds aren't quite like the Connery Bonds are not really, there's no emotion in them at all. Then there was the weird Lazenby one where they, you know, he gets married and the wife dies and everything. And it's such a it's such a blip that it's it's hard to put it in the context of the, how the movies feel. Then Roger Moore just went nuts. Timothy Dalton got more it got more grown up, I think, but still, you know, in that Bond way. And I, I think he was not given a fair chance. I think he he probably could have done some more. I agree. The Brazen ones, it was sort of like, well, we owed him uh, <laughs> <laughs> because he couldn't get out of Remington Steel. So I think he did a good job, but it was still, it, it started to get 
back into campiness, I think. I think the Pierce Brosnan movies suffer from their uh, time period. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. The like 90s movie energy was just like didn't line up. And I don't think they knocked it out of the park in that way. I, I disagree, guys. Well, do you, do you disagree about the movies? I think I think Pierce Brosnan did an excellent job. He was very well cast as Bond, but I think the movies, they don't hold up well for me. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, same. I got to say the same. There's a little bit of nostalgia for me because I was, you know, as soon as GoldenEye came out, I fell in love with the character and I just started buying books and like learning about the history and watching the movies on TBS and whatnot. So I have a lot of affection for for those movies. The first Bond I saw in theaters was Tomorrow Never Dies. But I understand that people feel like it's very 90s and kind of unpleasant to watch. We haven't gotten to 90s nostalgia yet in that way. 90s nostalgia is still grunge music. It's not like tacky European techno music like the Brazilian movies. <laughs> I, I mean, I will always have an affection for Goldeneye, which I think is still extremely watchable. It's the best of the browsing ones, of course, because of the video game. Of course, yes. The video game is iconic now. I was always Baron Samedi. I loved, I was always Baron Samedi. I love Baron Samedi too, yeah. Of course, you did. You're dressed like him right now. <laughs> well. <laughs> I hated him because that's not how voodoo is. <laughs> Don't sell me voodoo. Greatest ending, Jeffrey Holder on the front of a train, just sitting there laughing. Well, I'm glad someone enjoyed that piece of garbage. Okay, last question for this amazing uh, interview that I've accomplished. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Paul, who is the next James Bond and why is it Kumail Nanjiani? <laughs> I will say this. They're never, ever going to let someone play James Bond who does not have a native British accent. Agreed. I agree. They're never going to let somebody who is not born in the United Kingdom ever play James Bond. I, I support that rule. I don't care about race, creed, color, gender, any of that. <laughs> but I think you got to have a native British accent. It's like the is the only only rule. I'm with you on that. But see, I think it's kind of unfair. We've had a, an English Superman. That's fucked up. It always goes the other way, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I understand and I agree with you that James Bond should be British. But George Lazenby is from Australia. He was Australian, and we know that accent sounds like death. And it should not be what James Bond should not sound like that. I'm sorry. I don't have a problem with the Australian people. I have a problem with their accent possibly being James Bond. It just doesn't work for me. Was he was he not doing a British accent or an English accent in oh, that, in that oh, movie? Oh, he tried. I definitely tried. <laughs> oh, James Bond. That's, you call that a knife? <laughs> my wife and I were saying this afterwards like it can't be Idris Elba he's already too old like the way they make these movies now you gotta get somebody who is 40 at the oldest I think Hollywood 40 which is like culturally 28 <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah Daniel Craig was dragging ass after Spectre to the point where he was saying I would rather slit my wrist than do another one of these movies which is um, not great to say when they pay you tens of millions of dollars <laughs> to make them. It's that bad? 
He's straight up like, the stunts are hard now, is what he said in that interview. And I was like, that's the most relatable shit in the world. He's like, dude, I just did Knives Out, and it was sitting in a sweater and riffing with all the best actors of my generation. I got to send a car and sing. Yeah. If you look at behind-the-scenes photos of Roger Moore making Moonraker, he's sitting there smoking a cigar, eating a turkey sandwich. He doesn't have to do anything. I think he's in the background of some of the stunt scenes. Just boning shots. <laughs> well, that was the one setup we had money for. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Who do we want then? Who would we be stoked to see as a James Bond? Uh, if we're if we're following our own rules of British accents. Can you start? Because I I this is one that I've been chewing on for weeks now, and I don't know. I mean, it would be badass to see uh Kayla Cole, my I may destroy you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of like someone who would be like surprising to dress him up and become badass and also is British and has some juice that people would like want to see them in the movie. So I've, that's where my brain landed. That's the thing now is it has to be somebody that is a known quantity. Like the days of we did a nationwide talent search, you know, that's over. It's got to be somebody like, oh, I like that person. And someone who's, I didn't think of this until you said it, PFT, the age has to be right because they're signing on for 12 years of movies, maybe, you know? And all the press, and you got to stay in shape, and you can't be seen in sweatpants. Like, it's insane what they sign up for. Can't be seen. It's true. <laughs> uh, Dev Patel has been bandied about quite a bit, and I think Ooh. Dev is incredibly handsome. Everybody loves him. Everybody finds him to be sexy and cool. I don't know if you guys saw Green Knight, but that was a movie where he just had this kind of- Loved, loved it. it. Gravitas yeah. and, and sexual magnetism. Carrying a sword and doing all that cool stuff. And also, I think it would be really meaningful, even more than a, a black James Bond, mm -hmm. to have a South Asian James Bond. Yeah. Because of the history of colonialism. I think Dev Patel would be awesome and would be able to do all the things that you need. And it would really send a signal to to people in the UK of like, this is, you know, this is good and this is important. And uh, the press around Dev Patel getting like yoked or hand-to-hand -hand combat training or whatever, it, like that's going to get, you know, there's going to be a ton of Instagram thirst and shit towards him coming from yours truly as well. Gabriel's one of the thirstiest people on Instagram, really. It's just- I jerked off to that video of Keanu training for John Wick <laughs> where he's- <laughs> Firing like 11 different weapons and like tactical training. I was like, I could watch this for hours. This is all I want to do for a living. Keanu is such a fucking smoke show. I fucking loved it. All right. Then is it Dev Patel for you too, Paul? I think so. Yeah. My, my wife is a huge fan of his uh, acting. <laughs> the most handsome actor working. Yeah. We were, we were talking about it as soon as the movie ended, we were talking about it and, um, that was who she said. And then we were like, is he too skinny? And I was like, yeah, I guess he would have to really bulk up for this because he is a very slender fellow. But I think I th I think he would be able to do it. You know, he he's good looking. He's charming. He's a terrific actor. I, and also, I think it would be so much fun to see him do a movie like that. Yeah, yeah to see him do violence and shit. Like, I think he would be- <laughs> To see him do violence. <laughs> Not- not action, specifically violence. Well, he does. He's not really. He doesn't read as violent. Like he doesn't seem like the threat of violence comes with him. So to see him fucking break an arm or uh, bust, like that's extra thrilling for some reason. But I, and I also think that he's aged into being able to do that role now. Like he's at a great age. He reads as a man now. You know, because he's such a. He read as a young guy for such a long time, and and especially Green Knight. It was like, oh yeah, this guy's all grown up. Yeah, and he hasn't done the audition movie like a lot of guys 
a lot of British actors do of like, all right, I'm Tom Hiddleston. I'm going to be in The Night Manager and I'm going to show people I could be James Bond or Richard Madden or whoever it was, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. And, and clearly Pierce Brosnan did it with Remington Steele. He got the job. Roger Moore did The Saint. He got the job. Daniel Craig did Layer Cake. He got the job. Like they all did something. Oh, right. That was like, all right, I could see this guy in a suit and tie shooting people. <laughs> It'd be awesome if Green Knight was that his devs movie. Someone saw that and it was like, <laughs> saw him nut into his pants. So I think he's ready to be <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for coming on and talking about James Bond. This is, I could have done this for another three hours, but uh, I've been told that I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's people were very strict. Yeah, about I keep his getting time. I keep getting the rap signal in the Zoom chat. I was like, Paul, I know you've got a, a live show that you started in LA. I need to go, but do you want to tell the listeners about that? Yes, I have a couple things going on right now. Variatopia, which is a variety show that I host. We just had the first one at Lodge Room in Highland Park back in September, and the next one is November, Sunday, November 7th. It's already sold out. But I am doing a show that's going to be like a sort of Twilight Zone-ish sketch show called The Uncanny Hollow. That's going to be a Dynasty typewriter on Saturday the 23rd. The in-person tickets are already sold out, but it will be live streamed. So do check that out. There's you, there's unlimited tickets for the live stream. And that is, that's going to be Saturday, October 23rd. If you can't watch it live, it will be uh, archived for, uh, for a while. Um, so you'll have a chance to watch it. But go to paulftompkins.com slash live for all my live dates. Thank you for that. That really professional plug. Some people are just like, uh, I don't know, uh, follow me on Twitter. But that was like, you were ready. Some people have done podcasts before. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Each week, we wrap the show with a galaxy brain take from one of our listeners. I wonder if we have one now. Hello, Dave and Gabrus. This is Werner from Los Angeles. Long time, first time. My uh, piping hot take is, uh, why has Werner Herzog never been a Bond villain? It seems like it's right there for the taking. He already has an accent. People know him. They love him. He has acted before. If you've seen uh, The Mandalorian uh, on Disney+, Plus, uh, he plays a villain on that show. So there's, there's a, a precedent has been set. He has uh, proven to be able to act opposite um, a very well-known characters. If you saw him act against the baby Yoda, a beautiful creature that brought tears to my eyes, uh, his eyes um, uh, when he saw it. I think that uh, the time is right to have this uh, revered filmmaker step into the shoes of uh, such great villains as uh, Christoph Waltz. I think that uh, if you want to see Werner Herzog play a Bond villain, uh, start the hashtag Werner for Bond, parentheses, no, you can't do that in a hashtag, Werner for Bond, but not to play Bond, but to play a villain in Bond. Okay, guys, got to jump. Well, I mean, that was an interesting take from clearly not the director, Werner Herzog. Uh, Gabriel, what, what do you think about this idea? I'm, I'm of two minds on the issue. I'm kind of... You were the one explaining to me that a lot of these Bond guys make their movie as their audition movie. I think Werner and Jack Reacher as a villain up against Tom Cruise is like a perfect audition movie for him to play a Bond villain. Hold on. My phone is ringing. I, hello? 
Hello, it's uh, Werner H. I called earlier. I wanted to remind you I also played a villain in Jack Reacher opposite Tom Cruise. Uh, so that's a, a huge property. We all love Jack Reacher movies, all the many, many Jack Reacher movies. Uh, so I think uh, that I, Werner Herzog, who is not me, has a proven track record as uh, being a villain in uh, a beloved franchise. Uh, and Dave, may I say, I'm, I'm trying not to fangirl right now. I'm so thrilled to be speaking to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, how long have you been listening to the show? I didn't realize you were a fan. I've been listening since day one. Uh, I've, I've listened to every episode at least twice. I love you and Jonah. I love Gabris. love the guests. It's a comfort pod for me when I'm, uh, when I'm folding laundry or I'm uh, you know, studying uh, the, the inhumanity of nature's greatest villains, uh, you know, a coyote uh, attacking a house cat, things like this that I see from my house on Mulholland Drive. Yeah, just Sunday knock-around stuff, right? Just fun stuff. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you light some candles, you think about getting ripped apart by a coyote. I light some candles, I watch a coyote go to town on uh, someone's smallish dog, and I listen to Galaxy brains. Well, thank you for the endorsement, Mr. Werner person. That was really nice. Can I talk to Gabrus? Yeah, if you'd like, I guess. Uh-huh. Pass the phone to me, Dave. Okay, sure. Here you go. Hello? Gabrus, action boys, just the best. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> love Gino, the intern. I just, you know, if you do it, I'll listen to it. Finish your call. Finish your call. Yes, uh, my pot pie is done, so that means I have to go. But what a thrill to speak with you both. And uh, don't forget the hashtag, Werner for Bond, but not to play Bond, but rather to play the villain in a Bond movie. Uh, I wrote it down this time, so we're good to go. Okay. Uh, all right. All right, guys. Take it sleazy. Bye, Werner H. Okay, he hung up. I hung up. Yep. I guess he didn't. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Give me the phone back. If you want to call in like Werner from Mulholland Drive, we'd love to hear your Galaxy Brain take on next week's episode topic, David Lynch's Dune. Maybe Werner Herzog should have played Baron Harkonnen in David Lynch's Dune. Our number for that call is 213-570-8069 and is also listed in our show notes. Give us a call and leave us a voicemail on my phone with your take. And leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the only known cure for male pattern baldness. That's a wrap on this week's Galaxy Brains. Well, I won't be here next week because I'll be off sipping some Vesper martinis while Jonah gets his ass back to work. For his triumphant return to the mic, the guys will be covering the wonderfully weird David Lynch dude. The spice will flow, and our guest, guys, is David Dosmalchin, who is not only the polka dot man from the Suicide Squad, but he plays Piter in the new Dune from Denis Villeneuve. So this is going to be a huge episode. Uh, just like these credits are going to be huge because Galaxy Brains is produced by Kylie Holloway and me, Dave Schilling. The show is engineered by Dan Turek with music from Gautam Shrikashin. Our executive producer is Matt Patches and our developing producer is Zach Mack. Polygon's editor-in-chief is Chris Plant and Russ Fleshtick is the director of special projects. Special thanks to Andrew Malinzik who helped create the show. Until next time, I guest host this podcast. I'm John Gabris. And I'm Dave. Kylie, play the James Bond theme. Hey, what the hell is that? That's not the James Bond theme. That's I Had Sex by The Lonely Island. A totally different song. You just gotta sing.